Hey sisters, Christy here from Book Club Sisterhood. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. This is where we share our weekly book discussions with you so you can listen while multitasking or enjoying your favorite drink and reading along with us. I hope you enjoy this discussion. Let's grow. I like that. Hey sisters, I'm Christy, co-founding sister at Book Club Sisterhood, and we are starting a new book this week, which is always an exciting week because I like starting a fresh book and starting something new. So we are reading The Hard Good by Lisa Whittle. The tagline says, showing up for God to work in you when you want to shut down. So um, it it's kind of, to me, it's like having hope even when things are falling apart. So that's why I did the theme this month is hope in hard times, um, kind of a play on the hard good. So heart, hope in hard times. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm too cheesy for this. I really am. But well, are you going right. to mention why it's called the hard good? Because I thought that was a great way that we end in the good, though life is hard. Yeah. I thought that yeah. was kind of interesting as to why she deemed it called the hard good yeah. rather than the good hard you right. want to end on a positive note mm-hmm. which yeah, is life's going to be hard. managers that if you're going to say something negative you should say something positive don't start with the positive and then say well however so yeah so i really like that that's good so end on the positive yeah yeah that's good i like that <clears throat> And I like how she kind of brings this in throughout the book. Like she keeps going back to like, this is the hard good. Like, this is what this means. So it just reinforces it. And it's true. I mean, life's going to be hard. It's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows. Like you're going to have issues. Um, she opens up with talking about her dad passing away. And that's ridiculously hard. I haven't lost a parent yet, but I mean, I can't, you know, that's a piece of you is basically gone. And I mean, any hardship that we go through in life, it's just, it's going to be hard, but God's going to make something good out of it. So the hard good. Um, all right. So we're going to do chapter one and two tonight. And part of chapter three, we were going to do all of chapter three, but it was very long. So, um, we're going to split it up a little differently. It was hard for me to split up these chapters this time (laughs) because these chapters are really long. So we're going to do chapter one and two and chapter three up through page 65, where it says good. And then we'll start there next week. Um, So chapter one is called accepting something you wish. Sorry, accepting something you wish for something different. Okay, let me actually read it out of the book instead of my notes because I wrote it in my notes wrong. Accepting something you wish were something different. There we go. That makes a ton more sense. Um, So she begins, like I said, talking about the loss of her father and how her family is now kind of starting over. Her mom has met someone new, which happened to be one of her dad's friends. Mm -hmm. So at least she knew him. And she she says a few times in just the first couple chapters that she sees that it's God's providence. Like it's very much set up by God that these two would come together because they both lost spouses within a month of each other. And and they both knew each other already. And I know he's very similar to her father. Um, he's a preacher and he hunts and he fishes and, you know, her dad used to do all those things. So she can understand why her mom's attracted to him and why this is a good setup for them. Um, they both lost spouses of 50 plus years. So 
they seem to be made for each other, but of course there's always going to be the reservation of the child that just lost their parent. You know, it's like, even though it's two years later, um, it's still like, Ooh, I don't know. Like this is, this is still weird, but she's trying to like accept it. So on page four at the very bottom, it says it is hard to accept something we wish were different, but when we do, we exchange pain for freedom. And I really like that because it is very freeing when you can, you know, accept what has happened and keep going. It's, you know, it's hard to be stuck somewhere and it's not, it's not useful to you to sit in your grief for super long time. I mean, that's why I think a lot of people go to therapy and try to work through their feelings that they can get to a place where they can be free of that. Um, So I'm glad she made that point on page nine. It says, but it truly is one of the most powerful practices when we let go of that need to know. So I've definitely struggled with this a lot in my life. Um, And God has worked on me in this area for a while now. And for the first time the other day, I didn't, I didn't know all the details of a situation that happened. And I found myself not caring. Like I was okay with not knowing all the details. And that was kind of like a revelation to me. Like I was driving, my husband was in the car with me. I was like, you know what the weird thing is? I don't care that I don't know. And this is weird (laughs) because normally I'm like, I need to know all the details. Like I wish they would tell me, but it's not mine to know. God's got a handle on the situation. I'm not the one that needs to know the details. I know that God's in control. That's what I need to know. That's the only thing I need to know. And if you want a biblical reference for that, Psalm 139.6 is a very good reference for that. He knows everything. We don't need to know everything. Um, so that was a little bit amazing for me. It was, it was a lot of bit amazing. But anyway, huge revelation for me in the past week. Um, on page 12, toward the bottom, it says, you don't have to choose between knowing your life isn't perfect and being grateful for it anyway. So that kind of goes back to, you know, I know things are going to go wrong, but I also know God's in control. You know, none of our lives are perfect. They're never going to be perfect on this side of heaven. And I am very grateful every morning that I wake up. I'm, I'm thankful that I get to, you know, experience life with the people that I love, you know, no matter how faulty I am or what mistakes I made yesterday, I'm still grateful that God has, you know, if I did make a mistake, God showed me the right way to maybe go about it. You know, he gives us second chances. And it reminded me of Lamentations 3.23 that says his mercies are new each morning. So every morning you wake up, you get to experience his mercy all over again. And you're like, wow, I don't deserve this, but here I am. So let me use this day and be usable to him. We're going to talk about usability in a minute, but you know, I want God to use me. So just remember that his mercy is new every morning on page 13. She says, we choose our level of wellness, even when we don't choose every detail of our life. So we're going to talk about the serenity prayer in a minute, but what she's talking about is, you know, our perspective of our situation is just that it's ours. We get to decide how we see what's coming at us. Like could have had a car accident. Your car broke down. Someone passed away, but you get to view those things that are happening to you that are out of your control. You get to choose how you view it. 
So is it going to be the most catastrophic thing you've ever gone through and you're never going to recover from it? Or is it, okay, let me gather my thoughts. Let me, you know, get myself together. How do we move forward? And that's, that's what God wants. He wants us to learn to move forward because we can't, we can't sit in it forever. There is a time and there is, there has to be a space for grief. You have to make that work, whether it's, I crashed my car and it's totaled. It was my favorite car ever. Or if it's a loved one that passed away, you're still going to experience some level of grief. And it's important to sit in that for a time, but you can't sit in that forever. And you do have to move forward at some point. Um, I hope I'm not upsetting anybody right now because I, I know it's hard. I know it's hard to just want to sit there in it and just be in it. And you're like, I don't know how to get out, but I, I, ask you to please ask someone how to get out. If, if you're struggling with the grief that you're going through, there is a way out. Um, it's always going to be there. There's always, you know, it's always going to come up. You're going to smell something. You're going to see something and it's going to remind you of that person or your car in that case. And it's going to be sad for a minute, but you have to keep moving forward. The devil wants you to get stuck, which we're also going to talk about in a little bit, but God wants you to keep going. And he wants to teach us from everything that happens to us. And we just have to have that perspective of being open and understanding that we keep going. <clears throat> On page 15, she says, sometimes you will be mad at your circumstances and feel grateful to still be alive. So holding two things in your heart that seem to be at odds with each other is possible and often necessary. I mean, you can have joy and sorrow at the same time. I was deeply sorrowful for my grandpa to pass away but I also had the joy of knowing that he got to be with my grandma again and that he got to meet Jesus and I was joyful that I got to spend the three weeks with him that I did so that I can see all the incredible love that was poured out from him and then all these people came into my house to show him love at the end of his life and it was beautiful and I got joy from that even though I was also holding the sorrow of losing my grandpa. Um, so that's how you hold two things at once that seem to be at odds with each other. Okay. And she made the important distinction that it's two truths. You don't hold a truth and a lie that are at odds because truth and lies will be at odds, of course. And the devil wants to sneak that in on you, but you have to hold two truths together and you can hold them at the same time. Um, on page 20, <coughs> she says, as you accept what you didn't ask for or want, it changes you for the good. It does not affirm an unwelcome decision. So that made me think like, I don't believe that everything happens for a reason. Sometimes there's not a reason for things that happen. It just, that is just the way it is. But God take, will take bad things and turn them for good in your life. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for our good, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So we know that God's going to turn things that seem evil and seem bad for you. It, he's going to turn it and make it something good. He's going to, he, that's the hard good, right? The thing that's evil and hard for you to go through, something that's attacking you, you don't feel like you can get anything from that, but God's going to turn that for your good. He turns, he works everything together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. 
<clears throat> we know he has a purpose for us. Um, and he's willing to take bad circumstances to make us better. It, it's like, how can God let that happen? There may not be a reason for the thing that happened. Like an earthquake, two plates of the earth shift together and cause an earthquake. Can you say that there's a reason for that? I, th I think that it happens and causes mass devastation, but look at 9-11, look at all the love and everything that poured out because of this terrible thing that happened. People have free will and the people that did that evil thing, you know, they use their free will to do something that God would not have condoned or agreed with, but they still have the option because of their free will to do that. And it hurt us deeply. It's still a deep wound for us as a country. But God can turn that. And he, he, the amount of love that poured out from the people in that community across the country, I mean, to see all of us bond together and not be broken by that was amazing. Because that easily could have torn us apart. But it didn't. We looked them in the face and said, you can't break us. And I think that that is beautiful. There's beauty from the ashes. And I think that's a good example. My heart goes out to all the families that lost someone during that tragedy, and I'm not trying to minimize it at all or your loss, um, but I do think that God brought some very great things out of it. <clears throat> all right, page 22. She says, your defeating what ifs will turn into joy over what is as you release expectations of controlling something uncontrollable. So we know that that's one of my specialties to talk about, right? Giving up control, because I'm so great at it, not. Um, the what if game just produces anxiety and doesn't fix the problem. Because you're saying, what if this happened? What if that happened? What if it had gone this way? Well, it didn't. So we can't dwell on that. We have to look at, okay, well, that so didn't long. happen. What do you mean by what took what me so is? long? I got... We're just going to so we have to look at what is, okay? What's currently happening in front of us that we need to concentrate on? When we focus on that, we can move forward. She quotes the serenity prayer here, which I love. It's on page 22, so I'm gonna read it. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. I love that. And she goes into this more. Um, but, you know, help me to accept the things that I can't change. That's, you know, the, all those what ifs. Like, what if this had happened differently? What if this hadn't happened at all? We can't fix that. So we have to have the serenity to accept it. And then the courage to change the things that I can. I can change my perspective on how I see something. If I start having a bad day, I can say, nope, I'm not accepting that. I'm going to change it because I have the power to do so. I can think of all the things that I'm grateful for rather than all the bad things that are happening to me today. And I've done that and it worked because <laughs> I was for sure I was going to have a bad day at work one day because I was running late. I was running behind and you know, I, I'm sure you've all been late to work before and you're just like frazzled the rest of the day, right? I, I just go to gratitude. I'm like, okay, God, thank you for giving me a car. Thank you for giving me a job that's flexible with my hours. Thank you for, you know, coffee because I'm going to need it today. <laughs> um, and then the wisdom to know the difference. You have to know what you can and can't change. Um, that's part of laying down things in front of God and letting him control them. So 
on page 27, she says, we may not control how we come into the world or often what happens to us, but we do have an absolute measure of control over what we do next. So how we react or respond to what life throws at us makes all the difference. Um, I'm, I'm trying to teach the boys this right now, you know, when they're upset about something they can't control like bedtime, for example, they have to, you know, I make them tell me what they're thankful for. I'm like, okay, nope, you're getting worked up over something that is not in your control. And I might start saying it this way now that I think about it. Um, I haven't presented it in quite this way, but you're not in control of this. Your bedtime is this, this is what's happening. So tell me something that was good that happened today. And let's focus on that instead. Um, I think that it works. Luca might not agree with me, but I think it works. Um, you know, we all have a lot to be grateful for and changing our perspective is something, you know, sometimes all you need is just to change your perspective and then you can, you see life in a whole new light. All right. On page 28 at the bottom, she says, godly acceptance isn't settling. It is becoming settled by letting him lead our heart. I just loved this. I'm going to read it again. Godly acceptance isn't settling. It is becoming settled by letting him lead our heart. So giving over the control, it's getting peace through surrender. That is very countercultural, right? You get to be peaceful by surrendering everything. Surrender is not in our culture's vocabulary, but that's how God designed us. We have peace when we let our creator take the reins. He knows what's best because he created us. He knows what's best for us. So we need to let him have control. On page 30, at the end of chapter one, she says, we are profoundly changed when we don't let the hard harden us, but become golden by its fire. The refining fire, right? When they, when they melt silver and let all the stuff come to the top and clean off all the things that aren't pure, it makes that silver so pure and so beautiful. And that's the refining. And that's what God's doing in us. He's not trying to set us ablaze and burn us to the ground. He's trying to refine us. He's trying to use the fires that we're walking through to make us stronger and to make us better. All right. Chapter two cheering for someone when they get what you want. So when they get what you want, this, we've talked about this before, like we're all running a race and we're all running different races, but all at the same time. So what's best for you isn't going to be best for me. So the best thing for all of us to do is cheer each other on. Um, it's, we, you know, we're a sisterhood. We're not competition. So she starts this chapter talking about her boys falling in love with playing football which is much to her chagrin because she's not a fan of, you know, people hitting each other and causing concussions and all that good stuff. Um, so during her son's junior year, many of his friends were getting college scholarships offered to them, but he didn't. But she saw something amazing that she really thought was awesome. You know, he cheered them on and got excited for them, even though he wasn't receiving what he was wanting. So... It's beautiful that a 16, 17 year old is able to do that because that's, that's countercultural as well. You know, you want to say, well, that's not fair. I worked hard too. Like, why don't I get what I want? Um, <clears throat> Romans 12, 15 on page 36, she quotes Romans 12, 15. It says, Paul also wrote, 
if only, sorry, if one member is honored, all rejoice together. And then first Corinthians 12, 26 says, um, Oh, I read that wrong. Okay. Romans 12, 15 says rejoice with those who rejoice. And then first Corinthians 12, 26 says, if one member is honored, all rejoice together. So the Bible tells us in two different places that we need to cheer each other on. We need to rejoice with those who rejoice. And if one member is honored, we rejoice together because that betters our entire community when someone is rewarded with something. Um, then she talks about the difference between purpose and usability. So on page 36 at the bottom, it says God's purpose for us has been predetermined, but we can at the top of 37, she says, but we can live below our potential and never see God do the work in and through us that he wants to do. Our usability is up to us. We have free will and we get to decide if we want to follow God's call on our life which includes cheering people on, as we saw in Romans and 1 Corinthians, he tells us to cheer people on, even when they get what we want. There's been lots of times in my life, like when I was with a direct sales company, like I saw all these other people rising up to the top and the higher ranks and I wasn't moving and that's frustrating, but I still wanna have love for those ladies because I love them as people, right? And I didn't see them as competition because they live in a totally different state, but it was still hard to watch someone else get the things that I wanted. That's, I mean, it's just a fact. We've all have been there, right? On page 38, she talks about jealousy being a roadblock to cheering others on. So she goes into a couple different roadblocks um, and she cites an example from 1 Samuel 18. Saul becomes very jealous of David. David seems to be loved by everyone and was able to conquer more enemies than Saul did. Saul was cheered for killing a thousand and David was cheer cheered on for killing 10,000. Um, and instead of Saul cheering David on, he tried to have David killed. So just think like, what if Saul had listened to God's guidance? What, what could he have done? What could he have accomplished if he had followed God's will for his life? rather than seeing that jealousy and being tempted to kill David, you know, and then think about like, what could God use us for if we listened to his call and moved forward with what he wanted us to do? What if we were faithful and did as we were told rather than the opposite? On page 39, she says, whenever we allow God to use the hard moment we lift our own souls out of a pit of self-pity and despair. So how much higher could God take us if we listen to his guidance? What mountains could we climb? What mountains could we move if we had the faith to trust him and follow along with him? Um, next, she talks about bitterness, the B word, bitterness. Um, and on page 43, she says, when we spend time remembering all we have and expressing thanks, we feel differently than when we focus on where we feel God hasn't come through. So, I mean, I think an overarching theme of all of this is that gratitude is the best solution. That's always going to be a solution is if you turn your perspective to gratitude, it's going to get you a lot farther. I love her story on pages 46 to 48 
about another public speaker. She was going to speak on stage and this other public speaker that was well-known um, was there also. And she started feeling her, her heart and her mind to get kind of jealous. Like, oh my gosh, this huge lady is going to be um, like, she's so popular. She's going to be on stage before me. Like, I'm so jealous that she's so good. So the Holy Spirit kind of whispered in her ear was like, go pray over her. And instead of being like, oh no, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to sit in my jealousy. I want to sit in my bitterness. She went and did it. And this speaker like did amazing things during her speech that night because she had the Holy Spirit backing her, um, which is always going to take you to new heights. Um, and you know, it's fun to see that now they're really good friends because she was faithful to what God asked her to do. Now she has this great friend that she can talk to about public speaking, you know, compare notes or just hang out and have coffee. I mean, sometimes if you just have somebody that's in your niche and knows what you're going through, like you can have such a bond with them. And now they're really good friends. And it's beautiful to see that because she was obedient and what God asked her to do, they were, she was able to gain such a wonderful friend. On pages 50 and 51, she talks about Paul here again um, and how he wrote several books of the Bible from prison. <clears throat> um, while he was in prison, he, he only offered encouragement. He didn't say, woe is me, poor me. Let me sit here and drone on and on about how hard my life is. He decided to write letters to churches and tell them, encourage them. She says at one point in this chapter, you know, I... I know that Paul had to be sitting there going, okay, I would love to have the freedom they have. And he easily could have become bitter and jealous, but he followed God's word over his life and God's call over his life. On page 51, it says, Paul's lack didn't stop him from pouring out his surplus of wisdom from the Lord to help the body of Christ, knowing their gain met ultimate gain for all. So he encouraged them knowing that the more souls they reached, the better the off the kingdom would be. And that's the ultimate goal. We just want to make the kingdom of God the best that it can be. We want as many souls there as possible. So no matter what we are going through, we still have to encourage others. On page 52, she says, you are fully loved by God. And out of that fullness, you can feel joy in the gain of others. Sometimes people feel like if somebody else succeeds, God doesn't have enough for me. But there is no shortage of love from God. He pours out, like we talked about a couple months ago, you know, he pours out that agape love. His pipe is like this big and flows out love more than we can even handle, right? Because our tube, our, our pipe is like this big, much smaller, and we can't even handle all the overflow of love. So there is absolutely no shortage of love coming from God. He's got more than enough for everybody. He has a plan and a purpose for each of us and they're completely different. So just because she got what you wanted doesn't mean that he's gonna use her in the same way that he wants to use you. It's just, it's gonna look a little different and that has to be okay. We have to come to terms with that. And I'm speaking to myself as well because there's been times where I'm like, dude, she's doing exactly what I wanna do. What the heck? But God had a different plan and that's okay. Um, on page 54, she says the harder road leads to the better human. And this, this made me think of the narrow road um, that Matthew talks about in chapter seven is verse 13 and 14. 
You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gate of life, the gate to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Things are going to be hard, but they're also going to be good because we're going to become better humans because of it. So it's okay to not get what you want when you think you need to get it, which is a whole nother conversation about having to wait for what you want. But we just can't compare ourselves to each other. We talk about this. I I feel like we talk about the same topics all the time, but it's because it's true. We can't, maybe somebody needs to hear this again tonight. You can't compare yourself to another woman or man on this planet. They're not you. You're not them. We're running completely different races alongside each other. And we need to lift each other up and cheer each other on as we go on our own, our own path. We need each other's cheering. We need each other's fellowship and love. All right. That's chapter two. We're going to start on chapter three, the first 10 pages or so. And this is called showing up when you want to shut down. In this chapter, she's talking about her bonus dad which this is when her mom and John were still dating that the story that she's telling here, but he eventually became her stepfather. Um, She had invited John and her mom on a trip to the lake where their family had grown up and she'd been there tons of times with her dad. Um, And John came out of the house wearing her dad's hat. Uh, This very nearly sent her over the edge, but God held her together just barely. Um, she felt like shutting down and canceling the trip. Like that's how she invited John and her mom on this trip. And she was about ready to shut it all down, but she prayed and asked God to hold her together. And I, it sounds like they had a great day, which I'm, I'm thankful that she was able to shut it down, shut down her feelings enough to get through the day. Um, but she says on page 59, But shutting down leaves us in a cycle of regret and inability for God to fully use us. So that goes back to the usability. Sometimes we say or do things and then we regret them. So she suggests rather than shutting down that we show up. Sometimes the hard thing is the good thing to do, right? The narrow path is where we're headed. So sometimes the hard thing that no one else wants to do is the right thing to do. So she went on this trip with her family, knowing that it was going to be awful and terribly hard for her, especially seeing John wearing her dad's hat, which she had tons of memories of her dad wearing that hat. Um, But shutting down is appealing because it's easy, right? It's a low hanging fruit, easy to grab. And then you can just walk on. But, you know, the better fruit is higher. It's the harder path. Um, You know, just run from what's bothering you. That's what the enemy wants. That's his tactic is to pull you away from God because it's easy. Hey, this is attractive. It's easy. Um, on page 63, she says, we need not ignore or fear our foe. We need to be aware of him and the sin traps we are likely to fall into. So God wants us to grow and we can't do that if we hide from all of our problems which is exactly what the enemy wants. He wants us to feel stuck. He wants us to be distracted because then we won't move forward and we won't go after what God's called us to go after. On page 65, she says, if you believe that God is strong 
you must believe he is strong enough to help you begin to show up for your life. Nothing is a shock to God. COVID was not a shock to God. Loss is not a shock to God. He has seen it all and he can handle it. We just have to give our struggles over to him. He wants to carry it for you. We just have to believe that he's strong enough to do that. We, we know that he's strong, but we also have to know that he's strong enough to carry what we have going on. So, all right, that's where we're going to stop for tonight. We're going to pick that up on page 65 next week, and we're going to discuss through chapter five. So the end of chapter three, and then all of four, and then all of five. And then we'll be doing whole chapters after that. <laughs> but this is just weird how the breakdown happened. It was a lot of, lot of pages tonight and not quite as many next week. So it just broke down better this way. So, all right. Who has prayer requests? Unmute myself. So I, um, the, the girls are leaving Friday. Where are they going? Back to their mothers. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're having our final meal together uh, Thursday. Uh, the girls are going to spend the night, and then my husband uh, will drive them over to McDonald's so they can meet their mother. Mm, sorry. We'll keep praying for them. Yeah. I'm very sorry. That's okay. Knew pray it was going to happen. Yeah, we'll pray for safety and peace over them. Yep. My, my son-in-law is not doing well with it. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm. Anybody else? Um, one of the girls in our church, she's, I, I want to say around 25 years old, she's being deployed in a couple of weeks to Dubai. Mm -hmm. um, so she's very upset. Um, she, I, I don't know all of her feelings. She's coming over this weekend and we're going to, I'm sure, talk more if she wants to. Um, she has a lot of feelings. <laughs> she was crying on Sunday when our pastor announced it and it was really sad to see her so sad, but I, I don't know if she's scared or just upset that she's losing the church family that she's established because she's, she's very much loving our church and we love her. She is so awesome, but her name's Tabitha. If you guys can lift yes. her up in prayer, I believe she's leaving April 23rd. It's going to be a couple of weeks. They're having a, yeah. we're going to have her over this weekend and make some food. So you know how long her deployment is for? Well, they said six months. I'm hoping it's only six months and it doesn't get extended because I know she's going to want to come home. Her family, her parents are in Illinois. So they're only a couple states over, but you know, Dubai is a long way away. So we've kind of become her second family, I think, because her family's in Illinois. So having all of us to, to love on her has been really good for her. So she's very sad to leave. Anything else? Um, I want to mention mom's coworker's husband, Rick. I guess it, um, we talked about it, I think, last week, um, maybe a couple weeks ago. But anyway, Rick was diagnosed with throat cancer um, that went into his neck and his brain, I believe. Um, it's metastasized, and they said it's stage 4A, which they said it's it's good that it's 4a and not 4c they, the doctor told her that told them that they would be having a very different conversation if it was stage 4c 
So they're scared and nervous and of course, so. Uh, All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for all that you've given us, God. Thank you for this fellowship time that we have together. Thank you for the freedom that we have to come together and speak about you and over this this book. Lord, thank you for Lisa Whittle. Thank you for um, encouraging her to write this book. Um, God, we just, we love you so much. Um, We just lift up the girls tonight, God, as they go back to their mom's house this weekend. We just pray that you will protect them, help the whole family come to terms with the situation. God, it's not ideal. It's not what was desired, but we know that you're going to use this hard time, God, and you're going to turn it for your good because we know that you love us. God, just be with those girls, help them to be safe. Just protect them, God. And pray for Tabitha as she goes on deployment to Dubai. Lord, we just lift her up and thank you for her friendship, God. We're just so thankful that she was able to plug in to our church. God, we just lift her up, ask you to protect her as well. Help her to reach out to someone um, that needs to hear about you over there, God. Use her um, for the purpose that you have preordained for her, God. We just also want to pray for Rick. Lord, we know that he is nervous and anxious. God, we just ask that you pour peace over him right now. Help him to feel your presence and know that you're in control and that you're going to guide him through every step of this hard thing that he's going through. Lord, we just pray that he can see some good in this whole situation, God, and that he can meet you and know you personally, God. Um, We just lift up any unspoken requests that are brought to you tonight, God. We don't know what's going on, but God, we know that you're tuned in to what's happening and that you know what every need is, God. We just love you so much. And again, we thank you for this time to gather together as women to cheer each other on and to love each other through all the hard and all the good. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, guys. Hope you have a good week. Yep. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the BCS podcast. If you would like to chat with us, please join our community on Facebook, Book Club Sisterhood. And you can find us on Instagram as Book Club Sisterhood as well. We can't wait to hang out with you again next week. Let's grow.